I'm Jorge Salazar with the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Scientists are preparing a massive computer model of the coronavirus that they expect will give insight into how it infects in the body. They've taken the first steps, testing the first parts of the model and optimizing code on the Frontera supercomputer at the Texas Advanced Computing Center of UT Austin. The knowledge gained from the full model can help researchers design new drugs and vaccines to combat the coronavirus. On the podcast today is Romy Amaro, a professor of chemistry and biochemistry at the University of California, San Diego. She's leading efforts to build the first complete all-atom model of the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus envelope, its exterior component. Dr. Amaro, welcome to the podcast. What's the most important thing that you'd like the public to know about the coronavirus simulations on Frontera? Well, you know, things are really just getting started. I mean, they're getting started very quickly. There's an enormous amount of work that we're trying to complete. I mean, I think us and others. So it's, it's an exciting time right now. What is the status right now of your work on these simulations? Um, could you kind of give us a little bit of a, a sense of the, of the timeline of how this research goes? Sure. So a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, we started in earnest really working on trying to build a complete model at the atomic level of the coronavirus envelope, the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus envelope. We're, for now, focusing on just this sort of exterior component of the virus without packing really the interior components. And the thinking is that if we have a good model and can understand the dynamics of the sort of the outside of the particle, we're still going to get a good view of the different components that are involved in molecular recognition. So what we mean by that is how the virus actually interacts with the receptors on the host cell, these so-called ACE2 receptors and possibly others. So as we find out more information, we can basically add in and augment the current model with this new information, you know, as scientists are finding, because it's truly remarkable that every, it feels like every few hours, there's some new scientific data coming out, which, you know, is tremendously exciting. And one of the nice things about these models is they can be updated to reflect new experimental data as soon as it is vetted, but, you know, very soon after it comes off of, out of the labs. In terms of our workflow, the approach is, it's what we call a hybrid modeling approach or an integrative modeling approach. We're trying to combine data at different resolutions into one cohesive model that then can be simulated on leadership class facilities like Frontera. So how we do this is we start with individual components, which have been resolved at atomic or near atomic resolution. And we we have to basically take a little bit of care to get each of these individual components up and running and in a state where they're basically stable. And then we can bring them into the bigger envelope simulations, if that makes sense. Would you give us a sense of the scale or like why Frontera, why is one of the biggest supercomputers in the world needed to be able to uh, model this, um, this envelope of the coronavirus? So the full coronavirus viral envelope is very large for all atom molecular dynamic simulations. I think right now we're anticipating it to have on the order of about 200 million atoms, although that's an estimate. The final counts may change, but I think that should be a good ballpark. Simulations of that size are only possible to run on machine, a machine like Frontera or one of, you know, uh, a machine possibly at DOE. But, you know, we straight away actually emailed the 
Frontera team, and they've been very, very gracious in giving us priority status for benchmarking and um, for trying to optimize the code so that these simulations can run and so that they can run uh, as efficiently as possible once the system is actually up and running. These simulations of the whole viral envelope won't be possible to run on people's desktops like they've been doing with folding at home, which is a fantastic effort, but where they are limited to looking at individual components of the virus. To bring everything, to bring all these different components together into one simulation is only going to be possible on these uh, on, on machines like Frontera. I wanted to ask what your experience was like with working with Frontera. Uh, it, it's it's just, it, it, it's kind of brand new and up and running, and it, it, we wanted to get your feedback on it. It is, yes. Yeah, so it's exciting to work on one of these, you know, brand new machines for sure. Our experience so far has been very good. You know, the initial benchmarks have been really impressive for this system. And we're going to continue to optimize uh, ultra-large systems so that we can hopefully get even better performance. And, and I would say working with the team at Frontera has also been fantastic. You know, they're, uh, they're at the ready to help and have been extremely responsive in this time. So I think it's been so far a very, very positive experience. How does this work on Frontera with the coronavirus compare to some previous work that just came out um, uh, just a month or two ago of an all-atom simulation of the uh, influenza envelope that you and your, and your, um, your research colleagues uh, just came out with? So the work that we recently published in ACS Central Science on the all-atom simulations of the influenza viral envelope will have a remarkable number of similarities to what we're now pursuing with coronavirus. And that actually, it's a brilliant test of our methods and our abilities to adapt to new data and to get this up and running right off the fly. So I will tell you that it took us about a year uh, or more to build that influenza viral envelope and get it up and running on the national supercomputers there where we use the Blue Water supercomputer, which was in some ways the predecessor to Frontera. The work is similar. I mean, in that they're both, uh, both of these viruses, these are not capsid viruses. They have a viral envelope, a host-derived uh, lipid envelope, which scaffolds the molecular machines that are required for infection of the host cell. So in that sense, they're similar. The work, however, with coronavirus, obviously, is proceeding at a much, much faster pace. This is enabled in part because of the work that we did on Blue Waters earlier, right, as you're mentioning. So the work will be similar. It will be a little bit harder in the sense that our current estimates of the coronavirus viral envelope actually will make the particle a bit bigger than it was for influenza virus. And as you add size, you know, you add complexity, you add difficulty to the simulation task, but certainly it's going to be manageable. And the Frontera is larger than Blue Waters by some amount. And so we're going to be able to take advantage of the computing capabilities there for these types of simulations. How might this research on that you're doing with the coronavirus, these simulations, um, to try to understand it, um, how does this research kind of translate to non-scientists, to society at large right now that is grappling with the effects? I would just say that these simulations will hopefully give us new insights into the different parts of the virus that are required for infectivity. And why we care about that is because if we can understand these different features, scientists have a better chance to actually design new drugs to understand how current drugs 
or current potential drugs and drug combinations actually to understand how they're working. There are a number of different timescales of getting drugs or vaccines, et cetera, sort of into patients. I would say the work that we're doing here most immediately could be used to understand these molecular machines to give folks a better understanding of how potential vaccines and therapies are working, but also the longer term effects of this so that the next time, so the next pandemic, and you know, as scientists have been saying for some time, there always will be another pandemic and there always will be another pathogenic foe, as you will, coming for various populations, you know, or the world for humanity. And, you know, we, I think most scientists, you know, understand that the work that we're doing, including the simulation work, like we're hoping to complete on Frontera, is important for the long game of preparing humanity to better respond to invasive pathogens and to develop therapies that ultimately will be more sort of readily adaptable, hopefully, to other future pandemics. I think the information that we get from these simulations is multifaceted and multidimensional, and it'll be of use, obviously, for scientists in the front line immediately, but also in the longer term. And for the public, hopefully they understand that there's many different components and facets of science that need to push forward to understand this virus. And these simulations on Frontera are just one of those components, but hopefully an important one and a gainful one. You've been listening to Romy Amaro of UC San Diego. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar. 